Welcome to Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. From fiction to nonfiction, graphic novels, and more, we're here to help you find something great to read. It was like a huge gray wave of jelly, jelly that looked like a man, and leaving a trail of slime behind it. But that wasn't the worst. Its eyes were flat and yellow and wild, with no human soul in them. Only there wasn't two, there were four, and right down the center of the thing, betwixt the two pairs of eyes, was a white, fibrous line with a kind of pulsing pink flesh showing through like a slit in a hog's belly. It was dividing, you see. Dividing in two. Hello, Books and Nachos listeners. I'm Arnie, your host, back continuing my look at all of the Stephen King fiction. There's so much of it. It is 40 years ago now that Carrie was published, Stephen King's first novel. And currently, I'm working my way through the 20 short stories in King's Night Shift collection. Today, I'm reading and reviewing Grey Matter, the seventh story in the collection, originally published in Cavalier Magazine, October 1973. Despite the title, this story is not what you think. It has nothing to do with brain matter, tissue, or anything of the sort. Instead, the gray matter at hand is a creature formerly known as Richie Grenadine. Richie used to work at the local mill, but an accident had him laid up, still on the mill payroll while doing nothing but sitting at home watching TV, getting extremely fat and drinking beer. The only time the locals would see Richie is when he'd go to the local Night Owl convenience store to buy another case of beer, but even then he hadn't been seen in a couple of months. One night, in the midst of a bad winter storm, Richie's son Timmy comes into the store begging for help. It's a story Henry would recount to his two companions, our narrator and another old-timer named Bertie, as the trio walk through the storm to Richie's apartment. As Timmy tells it, one night in October, a couple months earlier, Richie got a beer that tasted awful. Immediately after chugging it, he threw up in the toilet, leaving a terrible smell and gray dribble around the bowl. Soon after, Richie started to act odd, making Timmy leave all the lights off and sitting alone in the dark. When Timmy would return home from school each day, his father would give him some money and send Timmy to get his beers. All the while, a foul smell started to fill the entire apartment. Per the narrator's guess, some bacteria had gotten into the beer and infected Richie, transforming him into a fungus-like, gray, slimy creature. The thing that was once Richie tells Timmy that a single touch will transform the boy as well. Sneaking home one afternoon, Timmy peeked in on his father to find him pulling dead cats from a hidden area behind the wall and feeding on the maggot-ridden carcasses. That was when Timmy finally went to the store for help, and Henry, armed with the store's pistol, leads the other two oldsters to Richie's apartment to try and see if the boy's story is true and perhaps stop the beast. As a story, Grey Matter is straightforward and simple. King sets the scene well, the entire backstory of Richie is told by Henry as they walk towards the apartment. The grotesque nature of the story increases the closer they get. The storm beats at them, but even worse than the cold is the thought of what Richie could have become. The men are literally walking uphill as the transformation escalates. As a narrative device, it works very well. As does the story. When reading Grey Matter, I thought of Weeds, Stephen King's 1960s short story about a man slowly turning into a plant creature after touching a meteorite. That story was adapted to film for the movie Creepshow. 
But whereas Jordy in that story is a bit of a tragic character, the weeds growing on him a malevolent cancer, here, this fungus is transforming Richie, body and soul. In this reading, I kept thinking about a recent movie, Slither, James Gunn's 2006 film about a man who also slowly transforms into a giant malevolent beast. There are several similarities, including Richie's refusal to seek any form of medical help. But Grey Matter also invoked thoughts of One for the Road, another King short story in Night Shift that I reviewed last year, along with Salem's Lot, to which it is a sequel. Both stories are told in the first person, by an older Maine native, who likes to chew the fat with other retirees at the local hangout. In One for the Road, it's Tukey's Bar, here it's the Night Owl. Both happen during a bad winter storm and begin with someone coming into the hangout asking the old men to help rescue a member of their family. In One for the Road, it's a man who left his wife and child stranded in a car. In this, it's Timmy wanting help for his dad. But despite a setup that is so similar as to feel cookie-cutter, the two stories go in different directions. One for the Road relies on dread of what could lie out in the snow, as well as King's vivid depiction of the bad winter storm for its fear. In Grey Matter, we get the building's story of horrific transformation told in Recollect as the men walk. Grey Matter relies more on the gore and the gross, making it, in the end, the more fun of the two tales. But One for the Road also had going for it a stronger character in the narrator. In Grey Matter, the narrator is a non-person. He's not even given a name, he's just a body that goes on a trip. Having so little a point of view seems like a mistake to me, because without a personality, I don't feel much about his telling. King is using the word I instead of he, but that seems to be the only difference. This story is a rare case of King misusing and overusing that first-person narrative device. The only way in which the story is aided by the narrator is in supposition. The narrator has a whole bunch of stories to tell. He'll tell you how he once heard bacteria can get into a can of beer through a hole so small that the beer barely drips out. He'll also tell you how Richie can guzzle beer so fast that he probably drank a whole can before realizing it was tainted. Sure, some personality would have been nice to go with the conjecture and observation, and yes, most of the story's details on how it happened are just conjecture, but it helps add a level of reality to this fantastic story. But I do have to applaud the narrator and King for one detail. When thinking about things we men don't want to believe exist but do, the narrator goes on a short digression telling of another man, George Kelso, who claimed to have seen the spider the size of a cat while working on sewer lines, and he was so scared he quit his job just two years away from retiring with benefits. That subplot ends with, quote, There are things in the corners of this world that would drive a man insane to look him right in the face, end quote. It's a great line, and one that applies to so many of King's stories in this collection, be it Jerusalem's Lot, The Boogeyman, I Am the Doorway, or even Graveyard Shift. I also like a bit of the allegory that King has built into this story. When completely human, Richie was sitting on his couch watching TV. He was unliked by the other locals. His life was just sitting, watching TV, drinking beer, and turning into a blubbery mess with, quote, ham hock arms, end quote. He wouldn't engage with his son, who would spend days at school and nights doing homework. The transformation from human into blob had begun for Richie even before the tainted beer transformed him. And even then, Richie would sit on the sofa and demand his son go get his beer. When Timmy started to rebel, Richie threatened to, quote, touch him, unquote. In this supernatural story, 
That could mean transfer the contagion through physical contact, but yet I also clearly see in this yarn a comparative to a drunk abusive father who wants his beer and will touch you with a fist if you talk back. That turns this story into over-the-top pulpy horror with those ironic twists. Beer was making him fat, and this beer makes him so fat that he's eating cats and people. It's not high art, but it's a hell of a lot of fun, and if someone had any doubts about King's ability to spin an engaging yarn, I think Grey Matter would put those to rest. Fast-paced, seeming even shorter than the 12 pages it is, it made me smile from beginning to end. That said, I do think King would improve even more. At the very end of the story, there's an escalation with Richie going from eating dead cats to eating dead people. It's a plot twist that easily could have been set up in some of the narrator's early digressions. That two young girls and a wino had gone missing is not a reveal one should save for the last page. That's something you introduce as a, by the way, on page two, and then the surprise is, they aren't missing, they're Richie's dinner. It seems that at the end, King wanted to increase the danger of the Grey Beast that Richie had turned into, and did so through murder, but it comes across like an afterthought. And also, the story never has a real resolution. Most of the stories in Night Shift end on an enigmatic note, but this is the third story in a row in Night Shift to end with the same beat coming right after the Mangler and the Boogeyman. Yes, this type of ending can add to horror. It's unsafe. The monster may still be out there. Maybe even outside my own door. But it's also a bit convenient that King can create situations that never really have resolution. That isn't to say this ending is unsatisfying, though. With the exception of the three murders, this story builds to its most logical conclusion, and the end is a hell of a lot more deserved than in either of those previous two chapters. But I want to know if you agree, constant listener. Do you, like me, enjoy King's stories when they're a bit more fun and pulpy? Or do you want to have him stay away from this super creep type of tale and go to things that are more scary and less monstrous? I want to hear what you have on your gray matter. Come to the Books and Nachos forums. There's a link from our homepage at booksandnachos.com or drop me an email at show at booksandnachos.com. This podcast is a labor of love, but it's listener interaction that keeps me going when my fingers ache from typing reviews and my mouth is dry from reading them. So please, let me know your thoughts. And I'll be back next week. I've been going pretty much in Night Shift's publication order for a while, but I'm going to do a bit of skipping around again. Over at NowPlayingPodcast.com, Jacob Stewart and I are continuing our reviews of all the Stephen King movies. We just finished off three, yes, three films based on the Mangler short story, and we're about to dig into another trilogy, Sometimes They Come Back, based on the tenth short story in Night Shift. So I'll be back next week with a review of that original published work, and in the meantime, please remember to support your local bookstore. Thank you for listening to this episode of Books and Nachos. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word about our show by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find dozens more book reviews at our website, booksandnachos.com. The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, which can be downloaded at podsafeaudio.com. Books and Nachos is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2014, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated.